Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where look to the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a lob. It's Damian Jones. <laughs> uh, who? Is that the guy who LeBron made famous in the mid-2000s by giving him a ton of wide-open three-point shots? <laughs> Damian Jones? No, no. It's 10-day contract, James Wiseman doppelganger, Damian Jones. Alan, Damian, eh? Dame dollar. <laughs> I think we're signing him for a dollar, actually. So, uh, Alan, welcome back to the show. What are your Thanks, thoughts man. on a six eleven, seven foot four wingspan, ten day contract, Damian Jones? Who? Just disclaimer: We're recording this uh, pre uh, the Phoenix Suns game. We're not even sure if Damian Jones is going to play because I think he left the last game with like a sore back or something. Um, so with that in mind, after like 10 to 15 minutes, the last game, some pretty impressive plays. Your quick thoughts on Damian Jones, who I just joked about it, but he just looks like a top three lotto pick, doesn't he? When he's out there on the court, he just has that persona. We've Tommy and I joked about how during last year's draft, um, how Jarrett Culver just looks like a superstar, like a superstar wing. Damian Jones looks like a superstar big man, and for like 10 to 15 minutes, kind of outplayed James Wiseman as well. But your thoughts on Damian Jones? Yeah, uh, I hope his back gets better. That was like such a buzzkill, because it was pretty fun watching him, right? He brought the energy, um, got in some pick and rolls, and we played above the rim, and defensively he had some highlights, and it's like, yeah, this could be that kind of under-the-radar signing that uh, ends up being like a, a key piece of the puzzle, you know? Um, so I'm excited. I hope he could get healthy soon, and uh, we'll see what happens uh, after the All-Star break. Yeah, I think Sans AD, the one dimension that we've sorely been lacking, obviously we didn't have Dennis Schroeder as well, but that connection between Schroeder and Damian for that alley-oop, I literally think that is the first alley-oop lob that Schroeder has thrown this year even when AD was here. So it's just it just boggles my mind that the first alley-oop dunk he throws is to this dude who's barely been on the team for 10 days. I feel like the Lakers tend to do this, like, <laughs> over the course of our lives, right? I, and I can't cite specific examples, but I just feel like there are so many times where we talk about, oh, man, I can't wait to see this and that unfold with players A and B, and then it, it just doesn't happen, and we're like, right. what the hell's going on? And then you'll see chemistry between two other completely random players <laughs> and like that thing happens. You're like, wait, wasn't this supposed to be Steve Nash and Dwight Howard? Yes. <laughs> like, why is this happening for somebody else? Right. That was not even yep. on our radar. So uh, I definitely got that vibe on that lob. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I thought we were supposed to be seeing this with like somebody else. I'll take it. Exactly. Or you'd be like, for the amount of times that Dennis Schroeder and Anthony Davis have started games together, literally since the beginning of the season, you'd think Schroeder would just fall into an accidental lob to Anthony Davis. But nope, it hasn't happened for one reason or another. Maybe it's also due to the fact that AD has not been in the post a lot and just been shooting jump shots, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it is funny because same thing with uh, Schroeder and Trez, right? Oh, Schroeder and Trez, pick and roll. Nah, it's THT and Trez for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of Damian Jones, just to quickly wrap up this icebreaker topic, um, he just adds the lob dimension that we just haven't had. He is, like I mentioned, 7'4 wingspan. That is a long dude. He looks big. 
he looks agile and mobile out there. And sadly, in comparison to the rest of the team, he's just more athletic than anyone that we currently have. You know, Trez is more of a, he's athletic, but he's not like above the rim athletic, so to say. He's just super agile and mobile whenever he goes in there and super demonstrative. But you could even tell from that one alley-oop to Damian Jones that he can get up there. You just need to lob it up. And so, especially in space. And he had a couple nice defensive plays as well. And Eric Pascal, like moving his feet laterally, had like two really nice blocks. Um, and you just need him to pinch hit during the, these times to give us an, another dimension because really we've only been relying on a pick and pop with Marc Gasol. Because Gasol doesn't really roll. And you can't, even if he does roll, you're not throwing it up to the skies or that's going to get, you know, picked off, right? With Damian Jones, you can throw it to the skies. And I'm not expecting a lot from this guy, even though we're making all these jokes about how he outplayed James Wiseman, et cetera, et cetera. At the end of the day, and I've been making this comparison on Twitter, he's like a poor man's Ed Davis, right? You know he's going to roll. Maybe he'll give you some defensive plays where he's showing hustle, and, and all that, and he's using his length the right way. But at the end of the day, we'll maybe get him for like five to ten minutes just to shake things up. And, you know, when the energy is stale, just gives you another safety valve to go to versus let me pitch it back out to the three-point land, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's Damian Jones. Again, we hope his back is not hurting him. Um, with that said, uh, I guess tonight's episode, this is the pre-All-Star break episode, we're just going to talk about uh, how we felt in the, these last few games without Anthony Davis. And we'll also talk about what we have enjoyed seeing in spite of the fact that it's been a bit lackluster. And then we'll look to post-All-Star break in terms of what we're hoping to see rounding into this, like, you know, playoff stretch. Uh, yeah, but Alan, with that said, how have you felt about this Sands AD stretch? We won the last two games. We're not sure how this Phoenix Suns game is going to go, but... For a hot minute there during that four-game losing streak, oh my god, I I had to actually muster up the energy to watch some of these games because coming into them, I knew the type of product I was going to get, uh, and it felt like just like a total mental malaise that came over the entire team. LeBron James looked like he was burnt out as hell, just carrying the load. Obviously, before any of this started, we didn't think that Dennis Schroeder would be in health and safety protocols throughout the whole thing, and that was a big factor. But it just felt like so many things. It was like a collusion of all bad events from AD going down, Schroeder then going down, Vogel just kind of being wonky again with his rotations and trying to be cutesy with stuff and not really knowing what he wanted to do. And I feel like this stretch just sort of unearthed. just how thin our margin of error is all of a sudden. And maybe it, it isn't that thin. It's just maybe it is just a bad stretch for us where everything happened all at the all at the wrong slash right time. But yeah, your thoughts on this Sands AD stretch. Well, thank God they got it right against Portland. I think the yeah. fear was, okay, Shooter's going to come back and they're still going to be in a funk. Like they'll be better, but they're not going to be clicking. You know, then it's like, okay, maybe we do have some issues here. But uh for me, you know, I tried my best to look at it as beyond this is Sans AD, this is also Sans Schroeder, which is mm-hmm. a completely different thing that uh, is not going to last for a long time. This is very temporary. If we can just survive through this stretch and, like, nobody else get hurt, although LeBron is playing 100 minutes a game, you know, <laughs> um, it's like, okay, now we're putting some other things at risk here. Um, but, yeah, I, I tried to 
kind of compartmentalize, you know, some of those things. Um, the Utah game, it's funny. I couldn't watch that game until really, really late, and I found out the outcome. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't terribly surprised. I figured we would lose significantly. I know we're going to get blown out by, like, almost 30 points or whatever it ended up being, but I'm like, well, what's the difference between 20 or 30, you know? Um, so, actually, I watched it kind of knowing what was going to happen, mm-hmm. and, like, we were in it in the first quarter. And I was like, hey, like, <laughs> when did everything go to hell? And then, like, Jared Dudley was in the game in the second quarter and stuff, and I was like, all right, what the <laughs> F is happening? <laughs> So I'm not blaming this on Jared Dudley. I'm just saying, like, the first quarter, it was weird because I thought, you know, we were going to be down, like, 35 to 15 or something. And uh, we were down by, I don't remember how much. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, just kind of viewing the whole thing through through the lens without Schroeder. I try to keep perspective. Of course, in the moment, it's frustrating as hell, and it's really annoying to see stuff. And it was perplexing. And it's like, wow, we can't even salvage any quality basketball right now right. like there there aren't even glimpses of oh that was okay um so I, i'm Sorry, just hoping Alan. yeah yeah i want to go back to the utah game because i don't know if you felt this but that was right after the embarrassing loss to the wizards where we had a 17 point lead we relinquished it etc and then that I feels felt, like such a long time ago by the it way it does right i already forgot about the wizards <laughs> game which was super annoying yes right but so frank started off that game all of a sudden switching his entire starting lineup and putting markeith morris oh, yeah. and tht in there and i was like i feel like this is very overreactionary i don't know why you're tinkering in this way and then we started off strong and i was like all right cool but is this one of those you know quit while you're ahead sort of deals and it ended up being that way because then Like, Kuzma came in, who's been our best two-way player in this last stretch. He came in for, like, four minutes to end the first, and then Vogel just yanked him out and put Jared Dudley in. And I felt like the whole night, this the team just played so uncharacteristically. Because this was the same night where Caruso came in and started jacking up a bunch of shots off the dribble. And I was like, did Frank tell him to play like Jordan Clarkson or something? Because I don't know why nobody's looking for Kuzma, why Kuzma's only getting like four minutes in the first half, you know? It took Kuzma like the end of the first half, like two minutes left to get a, get up a shot, like his first shot, you know? Caruso ended up one for eight. Markeith Morris started. Jared Dudley got time. I was like, Frank Vogel all the way down to, like, player 13. They were all playing out of character, so it was no surprise to me that all of a sudden we're down by 30, you know? So I just felt like it was a confluence of events leading up to that time where everybody just kind of lost their mind. And I was like, all right, we we just need to collectively, like Kobe Bryant has said before, like, just flush this down the toilet because I think we're overthinking things. We're trying to – Frank's trying to get too cute with this, you know? Um but yeah, sorry. Go on ahead with any other. No, answers. you're good. You're good. <laughs> hey man, why why you try why you try to compare Alex Crusoe to me, Jordan Clarkson, man? Come on now, come on now. What you trying to say, bro? <laughs> mentality wise, we need him to have that green light. Apparently, everybody should have the Jordan Clarkson mentality. That's six man a year right there. That's what's there you up. Go. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much all I got. Like, you know, we should have won that game against the Wizards for sure. Um, I think, God, who did we lose to right before that? I can't the even heat. remember. We went one for 13 oh, from three in the right, fourth right. quarter. It's two Saturdays ago. Okay, okay. And I think um, LeBron shot like seven of 21 from the field. He's had, so in the, yeah. in the heat game, he shot uncharacteristically bad. 
Wizards game, he like turned the ball over like in all the crucial moments and also had that really whack three-point shot where he just pulled up and, and then it hit the rim and I was like, bonk. <laughs> Uh, just, probably LeBron's one of LeBron's worst games as a Laker in terms of just control of the game because we did have a 17-point lead and it actually we lost it with him playing, you know. And then by that point when he was trying to get it back, he was like god tired, you know. So, but yeah, yeah. So just that whole stretch. I mean, there were a couple games we could have won actually, you know, and we, we did not play well at all. Uh, Washington was playing, you know, a lot better at that time too. Um, they weren't like just the wizards, right? They're the wizards who are on a winning streak. So it's all behind us now. Um, and yeah, I know we're going to get into how we feel at this point. So thank goodness that stretch is over. Like I'm over it at this point. Obviously I can't even remember like who we were playing just a couple of weeks ago, (laughs) like to talk about flushing things down the toilet and, and not coming back up. So in this stretch, what has been highlighted to you or illuminated to you where you're like, oh, I didn't expect us to like look this bad? Because initially when Tommy and I talked before we started getting into this last round of games without AD, we thought defensively is where we would truly um, suffer. But it's kind of like we've actually been able to maintain some of that defensive quality is and still be number one in defensive rating. But it's the offense. And I guess a large part of this is due to like Dennis Schroeder being out. But I don't think I expected it to like fall off a cliff entirely, you know, because for me, I was like, you know, (laughs) AD out, you know, Schroeder out. This team was sort of built on its depth to withstand moments like this. And look, to your point. You contextualize things. If the Lakers don't go one for 13 in the fourth against the Heat and they don't give up like 17 point lead against the Wizards, then we've won four out of our last five, right? I'm actually glad that they lost those two games because we might have still been able to do the sweeping things under the rug. We're totally fine. But I think those two games and just like our lack of, I think Markeith Morris has even mentioned it and some other players where they were just like, we were winning games at the beginning of the seasons purely based off of our talent. And we've mentioned in our podcast too. And so I think the those two games, the, 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 these last four games have really just, you know, brought to the surface how one, Frank Vogel clearly has just been tinkering and there has not been a solidified plan. He's been trying to get guys in and out and trying to make sure that everybody has some sort of semblance of rhythm, right? So he's juggling that on one end. And we just don't have an identity. We're trying to make an ident- We're just trying to come up with an identity on the fly. And then LeBron James seems to be in his own world too. And by this point, I mean, how many times has have we cleared the floor for LeBron James to just Carmelo Anthony it up? And I'm like, is that our best? Is that our best plan plan of action for the offense? We brought in way more better offensive players this year. Even if Schroeder's out, it's like Gasol's there. You know, I mean. Why is it where Trez is there? Um, so I guess, yeah, what are some things that have been brought to the surface where you're like, oh, shoot, is this a matter of just everybody like just needs more time to work things out? Because beginning of the season, uh, we were just treating it like preseason and going off of our talent. Or is there like a deeper problem here? Or is it just like, hey, Schroeder's not here. He, he solves a lot of problems. Uh, but what if he goes down again? 
Sure. If he goes down again, then uh, it's going to be really stagnant. And not only is LeBron going to be in Carmelo Anthony mode, but Wes Matthews is going to be in Carmelo Anthony mode. <laughs> and Alex Caruso is going to be in Carmelo Anthony oh, mode. And, that makes uh, no sense, by the way. <laughs> Trez will as well, which like I'm fine with, though, right? Like That, that kind of is his bread and butter. Um, break guys off the dribble and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, we, we don't need our two guards doing that kind of thing you know um we need them knocking down open threes which is kind of a problem right now yeah still waiting on Wes Matthews to break that Laker tendency to all of a sudden fall off a cliff um you know KCP he's like just kind of creeping out of that slump a little like he's getting out in transition more you know he's like finishing around the basket versus just shooting threes um but yeah I think without shooter that's that would be my fear is that we become super stagnant uh i hate to even say it but it was reminiscent of the the luke walton days of like yo and byron scott for that matter like what are we running right now like we're running absolutely nothing uh and it gets even worse at the end of games of course we can't get jack right uh so let's just hope you know schroeder he's like third most important dude on the team right now um, we, we see how important he is, uh, just to everything like falling into place, putting guys in their natural positions. Right. And, uh, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. I, I think for me, and I caveat this all by saying that we don't know what stage of Vogel's own process he was in. And then the AD thing and Schroeder thing kind of just threw everything up in the air for him. But I would hope that we aren't solely reliant on Schroeder being 100% healthy the rest of the way, even though I know he wasn't even injured in the first place, right? Or just solely reliant on Anthony Davis being 100% healthy because Anthony Davis could be healthy and then all of a sudden the elevator goes down for LeBron James because we've been overworking him, right? So it's I'm hoping that in the back of his head this has illuminated things to Vogel where he's like, okay, um, if I hadn't yet gone to, you know, chapter chapter two or chapter three of like what I've wanted this team to learn offensively, I better get to it now. You know, now we're rounding into the, the next stretch, regardless of whether or not, you know, I like Dennis Schroeder or Anthony Davis is there. I don't want this team to be so, what's it called, wire thin if any of those things happen, because that's what we saw. I was like, oh man, you know, give Vogel credit for regardless of who the personnel is, we're always going to be defensively solid. But it it works the other way too, where it's like, no matter how many offensively talented players we have, Frank Vogel's teams are always going to be offensively, you know, it's always just going to be solely reliant on individual superstars to, at the end of the day, take the reign, you know? The problem with that is what we're seeing. If any of them go down, and then multiple of them go down, this is what you're going to get, like clunky, like ugly offense, where it's like, is JaVale McGee out there? Because this starting lineup is feeling like the JaVale McGee starting lineup, even though we have... Mark Gasol, one of the most talented big man passers in in the game. You know, we've got Trez who can like break guys off the dribble and use his speed. You know, I know we're missing these guys. We've got Kuzma who's like doing all his dirty man work. But now that he's got an opportunity. Such a dirty man. Such a dirty man. Like, (laughs) yo, give him the green light to, to take guys off the dribble. He's starting to get his floater game back, you know. So I was just like, man, this team is. THT, exactly. Um, I was like, this team is playing so out of character. Frank Vogel's kind of playing out of character with his wonky lineups and all that. So I'm just hoping it's a matter of everybody being thrown off guard and them trying to like find their bearings in the middle 
of such a crazy stretch. Um, and so I'm just glad that we have this mandated break here to sort of reset, right? Reset mentally, reset the game plan, rejigger for Frank Vogel where he wants these sort of check marks to happen now because it's kind of been thrown for a loop here with the, the injuries and whatnot. So I think we're obviously, I think we're all going to be fine at the end of the day. Still second place in the league. Still second place in the league. I mean, barring what happens tonight against the Suns, the Lakers are 24 and 11. Um, defensively, we know our, I, we know our identity. It's just offensively time to ramp up that playbook and like move on to the other chapters and start implementing more things. And here's a throwback. Well, uh, you know, right now I'm just kind of focused on the defense. You oh, know, PTSD, the off- man. <laughs> the, the offense is going to come, but defense got to be our number one priority. That's got to be our prerogative. <laughs> Thank you, Luke Walton, who... Who we're going to see in a few days, who maybe. Uh, are we? Well, unless he's still fired, there. I, don't know. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so... With that said, before we pitch it to break and get to our second half of the show, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. I don't know if we've hit a cap on pretty much all of our listeners at this point have just rated and reviewed because we have, I mean, it's not moving. So please, like, move that dial for us in any way possible. Uh, we rely on your guys' support and feedback. Um, also What's pay- it at right now? It's like 433. We need to get to 500, cool. folks. But let's we get have, to We four- have 433 friends. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get to 434 first. So whoever gets us to 434, uh, we will mail you guys. Um, what can we mail them? We'll mail you guys uh, Alan's 2005 drum major single photo uh, for the Arcadia High marching band. I don't even know what I'm saying right now, but Alan Riley, <laughs> were you, wait, were you, were you drum major in 2005? Uh, you were. Yes. Yes. I okay. Was. So we will mail you a portrait of Alan Riley's drum major spread uh, back in 2005 when he led the Arcadia Apache marching band and color guard. So if you want that, please rate and review us. And guess what? Jonathan would be in that picture too. If, if like the whole band is there, That's he's true. in there too. And Tommy. And, and Tommy. Oh my God. I mean, it's amazing. You have the Lakers Legacy that. podcast in marching band uniforms. Everything <laughs> you could have ever wanted. Top Shot. What the hell is Top Shot? If you can get that. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a Top Shot digital version of us somehow. Um, but oh my God. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So please rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. Uh, Patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast if you'd like to support us in any small way. And with that said, we'll pitch it to break. But first, our Apple Podcast review of the night. All right. So for tonight's Apple Podcast review of the night, we have the great, Laker great, Shaquille O'Neal on with us. And Alan Riley will be doing his impression. So yeah, whenever you're ready, the diesel, take it away. Thank you, Jonathan. The greatest, totally biased, from Gmer under that a uh, line, low line on the line for great place to get fun, informative news on the Lake Show. You can tell these guys know their stuff and have been sticking with the Lakers in the good and the bad. But when I was a Laker, there was no bad; it was all good. That's just Shaq. Continuing. Excited for their coverage of the 2020 bubble season. If the Lakers get any more injuries at the guard position, here's hoping JK will have a jersey under his suit to help us out. Kind of like Superman, like Mm -hmm. Shaq, like me. Definitely worth checking out. All right. Thank you so much, Shaquille O'Neal. Can you dig it?
Can you dig it? Yes, we can. And we dug Grant Murray's five-star Apple podcast review. Shout out to Grant, our buddy, and his wife, Kim, and their beautiful daughter, Kalia. Uh, They're currently in Toronto, Canada now. They are Canadian Lakers fans from USC. So fight on. And uh, yeah, thanks, Grant. This was actually, uh, he wrote this a year ago. So uh, I think he's excited for our coverage of the 2021 season. And yeah, thank you, Shaq, for that amazing review. We can dig it. And uh, please cool your hate for... Actually, who cares? We love your hate on Rudy Gobert. Pile it on. <laughs> listen, listen. I'm just saying. <laughs> All kids should look up to him. If you can make that much money doing what he does, then you should do it. It's not hate. There you go. Um, all right. Thank you, Shaq. All right, so we're back. We talked about how uh, the last stretch has been wonky without AD, but there were some silver linings and nuggets to be had that were actually positive and ways that Frank Vogel has tried to, I think, instill and rejigger in certain players uh, how their mentality should change, how their roles now change. What have been some positive things that you've seen, whether it's carried through um when 80 went down or just some new added wrinkles that you've liked, whether it's guys getting into the rotation, finding more minutes or just a mentality shift, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I mean, Kuz has been there all season, right? Yeah. Like no, from the very beginning with AD, without AD, without shooter, um, his defense, dude, I mean, he's like Dennis Rodman light, right? Yeah. Like he's rebounding the hell out of the ball. I- I'm trying to like track him now on just certain possessions just to see where he's positioning himself uh, when a shot is about to go up. Like, is he really like that Dennis Rodman, <laughs> like, yeah. gift, right, from the last dance? And he does just have a natural kind of nose for the ball. Um, and you you can, like, count on him, you know? You know how he is on the offensive end as a cutter where he's trying to find the creases? It's like he's now doing that on the defensive end where he's, mm. like, literally – uh avoiding or like he's spinning against people just to find the right angles to get a rebound now and it's almost like it's like an art form mm, it's so yeah. bizarre like i mean the last few games he's like 11 rebounds 11 rebounds 9 rebounds 11 rebounds and it's been super impressive to see just his maturation mentality wise and and his motivation for doing all of those things and then i think this season this is the most i've ever seen kuzma like do those one-handed tip dunks that's not oh, an yeah. easy thing to do, but he can almost have a highlight reel package of his own with just one-handed tip dunks, sort of the same way his rookie year he had a highlight package of his own with the hook shots. Mm-hmm. And, and he has some one-handed tip dunk posters over people too, yeah, just oh, to yeah. show you yeah. how impressive he's been doing. And so I totally agree with you. I mean, his growth and maturation on that defensive crashing the boards level has been amazing and he's actually the uh one two three four five sixth ranked defensive rated player in the entire league this season i mean that oh, wow. that is insane i mean lebron james is number two so give him credit for that as well but the fact that kyle kuzma comes in at number six just behind Giannis antetokounmpo miles turner and joel Embiid, this dude's not even a big man it's crazy yeah definitely so um yeah, I really like what you said about him kind of weaving his way through bodies, you yeah. know, and like kind of navigating his way. Because if you think about how guys typically are on the boards, it's if I happen to be in the right place, it's going to come to me, right? But he's being very proactive and seeking it out, um, which is what 99% of the guys are not doing, of course. So so he's going to mm-hmm. get his. Um, 
what else has impressed me recently? Um, hmm. I mean, Marcus Gasol's had some games right here and there. He's, I think, he's been a lot more decisive just when it comes to shooting the freaking yes. ball and spacing the floor, which is what we've been wanting since like day one. Um, <clears throat> rather than, you know, he receives the ball and he immediately pitches it back <laughs> to whoever just gave it to him. It's like, nah, dude, like there's no one around you. Just shoot it, right? Um, we got to at least like get the defense to be a little bit more spread out for us. So uh, he's been doing a much better job of that. And, you know, here and there we have a few more like give and goes with him. Um, so I think that he maybe is finding his footing and kind of catching a rhythm within our offense. Yeah. Um, I think the last, so, so his yeah. last one, two, three, four, five, six, he's shot, he's made at least two threes in six out of his last seven games, which is pretty mm. crazy given the nice. fact that you just mentioned, like he was so hesitant to even shoot it and keep the defense honest. But that's been an, a new wrinkle in our game where it's like, hey, if you're not a lob threat, you better shoot that ball. And he's shooting like a pretty decent percentage and hitting it at a two, three per game rate in this last stretch. And he's had two assists in one, two, three, four, five, you know, the last six games. So you can obviously always give Marcus Gasol more opportunities to, you know, run the offense. But that's a huge difference from where we were at at the beginning of the season where it's just like, what is Mark doing out there again? Is he just there to set screens and then just like sort of backpedal to the three-point line for no reason? You know what I mean? Like so, and I think before this stretch, he surprisingly had a lower usage rate than both JaVale and Dwight last season. And to me, that's just like, that's inexcusable. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's totally backwards. Yeah, you, you blame it on Mark, you blame it on Frank Vogel, but I'm glad that in this stretch, it's like uh, intentional sort of thing from both of them to get them to get him more involved in the offense in whatever way and he's even had some post-ups right where all of a sudden yeah. he's getting very aggressive with his dribbles and you're like oh, oh okay <laughs> <laughs> um, for sure i'll go next i think one thing that i've liked outside of those two is is markeith morris rounding into form granted it was just the last game and you know but he had like 13 points eight rebounds even had four assists and I think it's just so important, even in spite of the fact that I haven't necessarily agreed with, you know, Frank Vogel inserting one of our worst players into the starting lineup for some reason and then taking one of our best players and, you know, putting him to the bench. The reason why I say that is because I've noticed with Frank that you'd think, oh, if he's just default starting Markeith Morris, the minutes will still shake out to Kuzma gets 27 and Markeith gets 20. That's not the case. He's pretty rigid in terms of when a starter plays, they're going to get more than the bench player. At least that's how it's played out every time Markeith has started and Kuzma has come off the bench. Like Kuz isn't, is only getting like 22 minutes, you know, and with Anthony Davis out, I've questioned, is there any reason whatsoever why Kuzma is only getting 22 minutes? It's like, there's obviously not a defensive reason. There's not an offensive reason. So why is he getting so little? And I think we're in that stretch where Frank Vogel is thinking much larger picture than any of us are. And if it's going to cost us some games and cost us some very ugly bumps and bruises with Markeith Morris fumbling about out there, so be it, you know, because we're going to need to have this guy engaged. And we've already heard him say how difficult a season it's been, just not knowing his role, not knowing how much he's going to play night by night. And so I think this is Frank Vogel 
you know, as begrudgingly as I've been like, why are we shortchanging Kuzma? What did he deserve to to be shortchanged? It's just a matter of, oh, it's Kuzma's turn to, you know, sort of, we already know what he can give us and it's a good thing, but it's his turn to sort of give way to a Markeith Morris in much the same way that, um, you know, at some point it was KCP's turn to have his minutes lowered. At some point it was Wes Matthews' turn to just be DNP'd. THT DNP'd. You know, everybody is having their turns not named LeBron James and Anthony Davis to sort of toggle back and forth so that Vogel can keep guys engaged, give them some reps so that they're not coming in cold turkey, you know, by the end of the season or even during the playoffs. And we're asking them to snap into place just like that magically. And so I'm actually glad that that Markeith Morris is sort of finding a groove here, seeing the, the ball go into the basket and looking a little bit more lively on defense, you know? So, and, and so that's one thing that I've liked. And, and one thing that I want to add with Markeith Morris is we have to keep in mind, Trez is a guy who may walk, you know, at the end of the season because he has a $9 million player option and he probably can find a better deal out on the market. And in that scenario, like Markeith Morris becomes immensely more valuable. He may not be valuable this year because Trez is here, but he becomes probably our best replacement option, especially given our salary implications of we have to prioritize trying to retain Dennis Schroeder, Alex Caruso, THT. If if Trez walks, uh, we better just keep Markeith Morris because we already have him on our books and we can just, you know, give him like the, what's it called? Uh, the bird rights raise for him. So I think in that sense, it's like you totally don't want to stonewall him this entire season either. You know, even if he is playing bad, you kind of got to let him go through his bumps and bruises. So that's one thing I wanted to add about Markeith. I don't know if he had anything else. No, I think that's a really good point. And um, just to maintain that big picture perspective um, is definitely key. Now we just got to see Wes Matthews (laughs) <laughs> kind of get into <laughs> it just like Mark still still waiting on that one because yeah he was a victim of the dmps as well so you figure like okay if you come out a little bit slow when you start playing again totally understandable but he's such a streaky you know flamethrower kind of guy um you just hope that for him the law of averages just kind of evens out a little bit more and it's not so high and then low yeah for sure uh, to close this episode, Alan, just talk to me about what you've seen from Dennis Schroeder um, because his offense was not the only thing that was missed. It's his defense. And actually, where he Dennis Schroeder ranks 13th in defensive rating throughout the entire NBA. So, uh, yeah, just what, what have you seen recently from Dennis Schroeder and just what is the dynamic outside of the obvious that he brings to this team? Yeah, um... It was really exciting the other night to think about the matchup with him and Dame, right? And how in the second half, I don't remember what Dame's line was after going off in the first quarter for 20 points, but he got shut down, you know? And I know it was like a team effort for sure, but without Schroeder, I mean, dude, Dame is probably actually going to go for like 50 against us. Yeah. Uh, and, and he loves to kill us anyway, right? And then, of course, we had Steph the other night too. Uh, who didn't shoot particularly well. And, I mean, there are so many other things going on in that game, of course. But uh, without Schroeder, I think that Dame and Steph both have, like, you know, pseudo-career nights, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it, it just kind of highlights how important he is on both ends of the floor for us. And 
again, we knew how good Schroeder was at defending, you know, pick and roll situations and, you know, deflections and getting his hands in the passing lanes and things like that. Um, but when he was out, I mean, there is literally no one else who does what he does for us, you yeah. know? So, uh, it, it gives me a lot more gratitude, you know, for him overall. Yeah, and I think as much as I am frustrated sometimes with his decision-making because there are a lot of plays where you can tell he's never looking to pass first. And it's such a different stark contrast to what we had with Rondo, right, where you see him just, like, look off and miss, like, easy swing passes to open dudes because he's just always surveying the floor. In spite of my frustrations with that, given this team's deficiencies right now, what he adds versus what he doesn't have is very important or probably more important, even if you're missing this aspect of the game where it's like more high basketball IQ, swing, swing, swing everywhere. And it's a little bit more contrasted with that's how Gasol plays. That's how Caruso and Kuzma play, where they're always looking for the extra pass, where Schroeder, it's just kind of stuck to his hand more, kind of like Rondo, but for just to score. Um, So in spite of that, he is the only guy outside of LeBron who's so aggressive and will always take it hard to the hole. And not only that, but he can pull up for that mid-range J and hit it. He's got that really slithery floater game. And now he's got that sort of chemistry going on with Marcus Gasol, all those give and goes, you know, those multiple give and goes back to each other. And he is the slitheriest player, you know, on this team right now. And he just has an uncanny way of finishing in the lane. And so that has been a dynamic that has been sorely missed. And now hopefully with another rim threat that you can lob it, you know, lob the ball to in in Damian Jones, that'll only open it up more for Schroeder. And hopefully we can get back to continuing to acclimate him with Trez, which I think was what the direction we were going in before he had to enter health and safety protocols, you know. So hopefully they can continue to develop a rapport and really get that pick and roll game humming, you know. So, um yeah, but overall, we need Dennis Schroeder is the end conclusion to this uh, thesis statement. Um, with that said, I mean, that'll be it. Uh, Post-All-Star break, we just want to see this team sort of lock in and Anthony Davis continue to get healthy and sort of start to you know really chisel and define our identity as a team and Frank Vogel to start um, solidifying like guys' rotation like slot in the rotation and start implementing you know more offensive sets i mean how many there were times last year where we had like Avery Bradley and KCP running very simple dribble handoffs to lobs to guys and this year we're like oh yeah well one we don't have guys to lob it to um but then two it's just like how come we're not running those simple plays that we know Vogel has in the, his back pocket, you know? And I think it's probably just because he wasn't planning on, you know, implementing those at this stage, but everything's sort of been thrown in, into a loop because of these injuries. And now we're hoping, now that we have this, like, break point and this reset point, that he can more, what's it called, cleanly solidify, okay, here's our revised plan. Sort of in the same way the NBA has a revised plan for the second half of the schedule, now that they know what's gone on in the first half, I'm hoping that can happen for Frank Vogel and, and the rest of this team. Any last thoughts on your hopes for post-All-Star break, Lakers? Um, yeah, I think guys just kind of understanding their roles a little bit better, you know, and, and that goes along to say with, you know, what you said about solidifying things, um, slotting in the rotation and uh, just – preparing for the postseason which is crazy to say you know i mean it's 
couple months away, right? And uh, it feels like the bubble just ended. <laughs> so um, it's it's go time. That's it's crazy. Yep, it's go time, and yeah, that'll do it for this episode. Have fun watching All-Star Break and the G League Slam Dunk Contest featuring Cassius Stanley and OB Toppin, who I like to call OBGYN. Anyways, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not a misogynistic thing. I literally called our fantasy basketball team OBGYN because I was trying to find like a like a punny name, and I was like, oh, that works. Um, it has nothing to do with what OB Toppin does in his spare time or if what his parents do as a profession. I'm over-explaining this clearly. <laughs> All right. uh, With that said, we'll wrap it up there. It's a good time to wrap it up. Uh, Catch us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. And please rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. Alan, I will catch you later. All right, dude. See ya. Getting myself in trouble there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you got an edit button. (laughs) I'm going to keep it in. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.